Hello, my name is Andrew Denny, and I welcome you to Couture and Construction, a weekly show dedicated to the people and stories behind beautiful places. Recorded live in the Textures Nashville showroom inside the Nashville Design Collective. Today we have episode eight, Understanding Your Client's Vision, uh, a challenge and a talent. How do we best communicate and receive information from our clients so that we can make their dream design a reality? Today's guest is Evan Millard. Evan is the co-founder and one of the super talented designers behind Modern Remains in Nashville. Modern Remains is known for original, creative, sophisticated luxury design to the Nashville community. Uh, last uh, Recently, they've attracted national attention for their work on the Whole Home House Beautiful project, which was simply amazing. I hope, I hope a lot of our listeners were able to tour that. So welcome, Evan. Thanks for joining us. We are so excited to have you, and I am excited to understand uh, how you interact with clients to understand their vision. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. I'm so glad to be here today. Oh, thanks a ton. So before we start, share a little bit about who Evan Millard is. Uh, tell us about family, what's your professional career background, etc. Yeah, so my um, just a little bit about myself. I grew up in a somewhat large family. I'm one of four children. Um, my parents... Me they, too. I, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> they actually wanted eight. And made oh, it, cool. They made it halfway. <laughs> um, I grew up primarily between uh, Middle Tennessee and Mississippi. Oh, so cool. even though I was adopted from South Korea at a really young age, I consider myself a Southern boy. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. Share with me a little bit about your background and what drew you to interior design. Yeah. So as far as, as long as I can remember, I've always been interested in design. Um, I can remember being like three or four and just loving to play with Legos. And one of the first things that I, I built slash designed, I would say, was a camcorder. <laughs> one of those old school ones that, you know, you would hold over your, sh your That's shoulder. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I uh, actually have two degrees. So my first degree, I studied at Oral Roberts oh, cool. University. Yeah, in, very cool. Yeah, in Tulsa. Yeah. I have a degree in graphic design. Um, finished up there. That's a, fa that's a fantastic university. It's a great, it was a great school. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a really, great really school. good university. Um, I, you know, I got out of, got out of that into the real working world with graphic design and really realized that it did not have enough interpersonal communication with clients, mm, mm. very much more behind the scenes and, so you know, people behind person. the computer. Love, I love, love, love people. Oh, that's wonderful. And then I went to, uh, O'More College of Design. Sure, when sure. It was located in downtown Franklin. Yeah. Um, and that's actually where I met both Lauren and Betsy. We were all studying second degrees in interior design. And that's where we met. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. So what was your, uh, so you worked in design for a while. Share with me just a little bit about the origins of Modern Remains. Yeah, so Modern Remains, we really like to say that it started at O'More. Mm -hmm. Like Betsy and I, we can remember... Um, you know, those long studio nights and taking walks around the factory where mm -hmm. our interior design department mm -hmm. was located. And we can remember talking about starting a business one day in a design firm in a studio and just dreaming up of the possibilities that it could be and, you know, starting to lay that groundwork. And then I had actually moved to Chicago to work. So I designed for Alessandro Branca for about three years. Oh, wow. I was in Chicago, you know, did really wonderful things. I 
did the 41st floor at the John Hancock for the owner of the of the Hancock building. Wow. And, you know, I worked on yachts and penthomes and just really wonderful projects. And one day Lauren called me after she had her second child and she said, hey, I'm thinking about getting back into the workforce. Would you like to consider doing something? And I said, you know, I've been speaking with Betsy for, at this point, it had probably been about six or so years now. Wow. And I said, let me, let me call Betsy and that's really how Modern Remains came to be. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. Well, that's very exciting. You guys have had great success. And uh, it, it's been so interesting. I interact with a lot of your peers, and so many of them are just proud at what you what you all have created. It's a, uh, you know, a, a fresh take, so to speak. And to have uh, just kind of the really cool um, homegrown, uh, from O'More, that story, and to see kind of the genius that you guys have brought to interior design. It's been really fun to watch. So congratulations. Thanks, Andrew. So today we're going to talk with Evan about understanding your client and your client's vision. So uh, first, first thing we're going to kind of delve into is how have you learned to understand what a new client is sharing about their desires and vision? How do you really hear them and learn uh, what it is in, in their mind's eye that, that they want to create? You know, I think one of the most important um, components about thinking about a vision for a client is really um, – getting to know them. And, you know, I think that communication is definitely key mm -hmm. and it's often revisiting that same topic or that same need, or maybe how a space needs to function over and over and over mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Because I think as, as individuals, we're so, we have so many layers mm -hmm. and one, you know, one conversation, you may not get the answer. You may not get to, to like an answer, um, or uncover a need, but then, you know, you revisited the second time and you come back the third time and you start to learn more about a client and really what their dreams are for that space and how it needs to function. Have you ever thought about moving in with prospective clients to really understand them? <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. So, so what, what, how did you learn that lesson? How did you learn to revisit and listen and observe? Like, was that part of your training at O'More? Was that just something that you've developed as you've as you've uh, worked with more and more clients, share with me just how that how that has evolved for you. You know, I think it's it's a mix of both. I think part of it is due to you know a, a, a formal education, and I think the other side is really just having that experience and having multiple you know multiple clients and working with them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, how do you, when speaking to a client, how do you? help them help you. So it, I think a lot of us would enter into this process, at least I'll speak for myself. I may be a little bit guarded. I may want my designer to see the best version of me, the most sophisticated version, whatever. That may not end up serving me well in the long term. So share with me how you help your clients really reveal their true self and their true needs so that you can serve them well. I think, you know, like a key part to um, serving a client well is really seeing them in their natural habitat. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we do, you know, that initial one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one consultation. And I think it's really important that when we visit your home, like, yes, it's 
it you want as a client you really want it to be picked up and you mm-hmm. want everything to be in place but i think as a designer if we're coming in to solve to solve problems or address needs or to um, exceed your expectations coming in and seeing how you interact with your family in that space on any given day whether your kids are crying or your drawers are a mess or you know really whatever whatever your need is for us to meet seeing how you live in that moment Sure. It's really sure. important. One question I would have for you as it relates to that is when you when you meet with clients, obviously clients have a, a vision based on past experience. What do you hear more? What they like or what they dislike? I think both of those would be very powerful to understand uh, what their perspective uh, is. Uh, but share with me, in your experience, what do people focus on, likes or dislikes? I think for the majority, clients really like to focus on what they like. Mm. But it is really important to know what they dislike. So like as an example, um, a couple of days ago, we you know, we are working with a particular client and it's our job as a designer to begin to extract information. Mm-hmm. So along the way, we extract, we extract, we extract, and we build. Mm-hmm. And um, with this, in this particular scenario, it was really important for us to begin to um, see what this client likes. Like, what does she like as far as textures and patterns and colors? And when it really, as it begins to speak to furnishings and layers. So we actually sent her into our sample library. And we let her pick through. She looked at fabrics and trims and wall coverings. And she not only pulled items that she liked, but she pulled items that she didn't like, which was which will be really instrumental in the next phase of furnishings. Oh, that's exciting. That's a great idea. So just kind of let them go in and make some decisions for themselves. Yeah. One, of the th- one of the lessons I was taught very early in my business as a lowly floor covering salesperson was it was really important to not share what's included, but what's excluded. And I always kind of like that dichotomy because uh, understanding what somebody likes and and just knowing that, uh, you may really end up with things that they really strongly dislike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it may not work out well for you. For sure. So inclusions, exclusions, like, dislike, I, I kind of look at them in the same light. So as you are preparing for a design and you're getting ready for a new client, you don't know much about them. What kind of research or questions are you asking yourself to help prepare a design? Is it a linear process? Is it, you know, what, what helps you with that? You know, that's a, that's a funny question. I think that we like Lauren, Betsy, and myself, we're always refining the process. Mm -hmm. And as much as we would like it to be linear, I think, most of the time. And it really ends up being organic and just kind of fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of the questions that we're asking ourselves as we begin the design process is, you know, our, our initial consultation typically involves a potential client or a client showing us kind of how they envision the space to be. So then as we get into and delve into the design process, we're tr- beginning to translate, well, you know, how can we bring this type of vision to life, meet expectations, and not only meet, but surpass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And thinking about, you know, like if a client is, says, oh, I like this design element or this color or this style of fixture, maybe it's a particular height or, you know, size, and then the space has like really low ceilings. Mm. Trying to figure out ways to translate that so that we can really meet that need or that want 
but around the constraints of that particular space or project. So I think that's one of the most fascinating things that we learn about interior design is the architectural uh, involvement is really, really critical. So as an example, with low ceilings, would sometimes would that be kind of your aha moment or, or uh, a spark that's, that's going to help you creatively start to focus and narrow down on a vision? It really, it really can be. You know, we with at Modern Remains, we really believe that the architecture of the space influences and plays a really big role in the overall aesthetic and the furnishings of mm-hmm. of that project. What are the waypoints you use when you're creating a vision? So, and maybe just walk me through kind of a bullet point version of what it looks like from initial meeting to to unveiling what your vision is based on the research. What are kind of the waypoints that you're using during that time before you kind of unveil, or is there ever an unveiling of what direction you're going in? Or is that something that just continues to evolve? I would say that each project is actually a little bit different. It's um, each one is a little bit different. I think a lot of it depends on how a client likes to work. Some clients, you know, they're they're very regimented and they need spreadsheets and it needs to go in a particular order. Mm-hmm. And then some clients are very, they're just kind of free and they're kind of a, a gypsy soul. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it happens organically. Maybe it doesn't happen by by space as a vision or design. Maybe it happens like by wall mm. very or cool. by surface. Very cool. So you just talked about two different clients. Do you, is there one that is easier to meet expectations? Is there one that's more difficult? Uh, and not trying to put you in a box. I mean, mm. we, we have to work <laughs> with people of all, all different reports. Or let me actually turn the question back on you. Are you a gypsy soul or are you a spreadsheet guy? I'm probably lean towards spreadsheets. Really? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. That's funny. So if, is that a question you ask yourself is, how would I want to walk through this process? Do you, do you as a firm and as a designer use a lot of introspection to, to kind of help your clients? Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would say yes. And I think, you know, part of the beauty of, of modern remains is we're all, it's very much a collaborative process, but what's really great about it is we all have our different strengths and different ways that we really thrive when we're working in the, in the realm of design. And um, that really helps to dictate what projects we are more may, perhaps like more heavily involved in as opposed sure. to others. Sure. So designers bring talent, expertise, knowledge to the equation. The client has retained you for these reasons. That's why they're coming to Modern Remains. Knowing this, how much responsibility do designers bear to shape the vision? I think the question I'm trying to ask is, should the client have the vision or should it be the designer? Wow, that's a great, that is a great question. Most of the time, clients start with the vision. And then I really believe that it's the designer's role to take that vision, bring it to life, but at a better and or higher level than what that that client originally, how they saw that to be. See, I completely agree. I think that uh, having worked 
with a lot of different design firms and designers, it's always amazing to me the ability of them to exceed what the dream was and how personal they make a space and how and just how the mood reflects the individual. It feels so comfortable. It feels so timeless. And as just a, again, a regular guy that works in this industry, I could never do that. I could, I I don't have the, the, uh, well, the vision to be able to bring everything together. I can create a beautiful foundation with the floors and, uh, you know, I can see a, a, a room maybe furnished, but really making it livable, I think that's the talent designers bring. So I err more on the side of if you're bringing a design team in, that that they should be the one really responsible for the end product. I, I would kind of liken it to going to a fabulous restaurant where you hear the chef is absolutely excellent. And instead of ordering the special that he's created because of lo- local fresh ingredients and, you know, a great fish that, you know, he knows is 12 hours old, uh, you ask for, um, you know, mac and cheese that's not on the menu. And, uh, you know, and then you're somewhat disappointed when when you leave and say, ah, I don't know what the big deal was about that restaurant. It wasn't that great. Um, I've had better mac and cheese. Uh, so that, uh, I, I kind of feel like the experts, that's why you've retained them. And again, that's, I mean, to each their own, but that's just my general feeling on it. Designers are so incredibly talented and they understand space. Space is the biggest thing, scale, space, material selection. Mm-hmm. They, they know how to make it just work so beautifully together. So what excites you about embarking on a new vision and design? Oh man, I think I think the best part about you know embarking on a new um, vision and design is just having that that clean slate, mm. just having that clean slate and being able to think forward and think ahead and overcome and solve obstacles that the client may not even know that they have or before they voice them. No, that's one of the anticipation. Yeah, anticipation, sure. I think, is one of the fundamental building blocks of of interior design. So, what part of the collaboration do you really look forward to when embarking on? And I, I would say collaboration with the client. <laughs> what what kind of wets your chops uh, when when you step into a new project? Uh, you're a people person, so share with me what that experience is like in getting to know somebody to understand their vision. What excites you about that? Just the, for me, it's really just the process. Mm -hmm. It's like from that, it's from that initial consultation all the way from start to finish and unveiling, you know, a space or a design and just seeing like our clients like face just light up. Mm -hmm. So have you ever been part of a, uh, a a process, which I know you have, so this isn't a trick question, (laughs) but can you share a time where from start to finish, uh, just some of of some of the feedback you've gotten from clients on what the journey was like for them. Mm, okay, so I think that from my perspective, I think with the process and the journey of design, I love those moments when a project may not necessarily seem like it's, you know, it's it may not be the smoothest project mm-hmm. and the smoothest process, but then 
revisiting with the client after installation and after all of the work and has taken place, having them just really say how much they enjoy being in that space and how that space or that design really makes them feel. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's a vision, I think, and you know, people think that maybe this is a quick process. Share with us a little about some of the expectations you share at the beginning of the process to help set expectations. So what do you share so that the clients are clear on what they can expect from a timeline perspective, uh, from a uh, hard work perspective? Just share with me how you educate them about the process. Yeah, so I think really with like beginning with our first initial consultations, it's really important to express to a client during that process is coming even from like a budget mm-hmm. constraint and the budget mm-hmm. the budget question and asking, you know, I definitely want to know how you envision the space to feel. But at the end of the day, a budget, which we typically always have, plays into the outcome of the mm-hmm. vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so setting those expectations of budgets and needs and functionality and how you envision your home or your space to feel and just really kind of delving into those questions. I like that. I love that. I think budget for all of us, it's one of the starting places we have uh, when we select flooring here at Textures is, you know, we want an understanding of budget and, and we kind of feel like we serve a better, best ultimate market. Uh, But we have, uh, pieces and parts from ultimate in better so that we can, we can help our clients navigate that space and get maybe most of what they want. But that's again, where the talent from the designer comes in and says, well, listen, we can take this and we can work with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you ever have to uh, share with clients? uh, Do you ever have to go back and revisit the initial expectations? Um, as you're, as you're talking through where maybe they would share, Hey, this didn't turn out exactly the way I thought it would. What were the challenges that prevented that? Challenges really could come in many different forms. It could be, um, it could be maybe a delay in material. Mm -hmm. It could be a price increase if it's, you know, coming across from perhaps like over the water Mm -hmm. and, you know, and different things like that. And I think that what's really important when working with clients from our end is if we have an obstacle, we look at it as, as an opportunity. And so we're like tra- being transparent and 100% transparency is what we really aim for with Modern Remains. But going to our client and letting them know, hey, this may not have turned out how we envisioned it to be, but here's our solution or here's where we can maybe shift a little bit around to make that original idea you know, even happen still. I like it. So let's talk about something that's probably pretty personal to you, and that's creating modern remains and the strategic vision that you would have in a business. And I'd like for you to contrast a strategic vision to a design vision. Can you kind of speak to some of the similarities and some of the things that aren't so similar and how those two different exercises have helped you serve clients better with modern remains you know like the first time that we came together and began to dream about what it could be we had set core values that we really wanted to to emphasize so you know for us community building relationships especially both 
within the design field and then also with artists um, was one of our big our big core vision values that we had. And then um, I think with and those are things that we'll never we will never differ from and we'll never sway from those. And then I think when it comes to visioning for design and it's a little bit more conceptual. And I think that there are more ways to get to that answer than just there being one right way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of, for, from a business standpoint, it's n- maybe not quite as flexible, mm-hmm. you know, as um, coming from the design perspective. And then I think something that we just always have to keep in mind with both business and design is just being able to kind of morph and change as the time goes on. Because... You know, you're going to run, we always run across different, just different things that we've got to figure out and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. grow past. Mm-hmm. And I would say there, that is absolutely true for design going back to, you know, is material available? Do we have to change directions? So you brought up something interesting, core values about your firm. So how do you use those core values when you're setting expectations with a client for what you're going to deliver? What emphasis do you put on the core values that you all hold dear to to help a client understand what they should expect from you? Yeah, so it's kind of going back to one of our values of building relationships with artists. All of our designs, we really, really focus on building rooms around art. Mm. And, you know, many times we definitely source outside of the Nashville community, but many times we really like to partner with artists and support our local community. So during those initial consultations, we'll definitely, you know, we talk about the importance of relationships, the importance of artists, and just the difference that art makes in a space. And, you know, it really, I think to us, art comes in so many different forms. It can come through a pattern in a wood floor, you know, like we're working on some projects with Mm -hmm. you, Andrew, and it can come through a piece of art that's maybe on a wall. Or maybe it's a really great chair that's made by our neighbor, you know, in our next door warehouse. Oh, that's really cool. So what do people, so to me, that would be somewhat of a key differentiator. So that would be a reason somebody would choose Modern Remains maybe over over a peer who has a different set of core for values. Sure, for sure, I really like that emphasis. And uh, I think what that, that kind of goes back to um, why a designer's vision, from my perspective, for the space has to be as important, if not more important, than what the client is. Because it it not only is going to be functional for a client and original to that client, but it's going to uh, be part of the core values uh, of the people that designed it. Would you agree with that? Or I agree. Okay, fantastic. What other tips can you give to uh, our listeners about understanding how to how to hear really what the client is trying to share. Uh, just share some things with me that maybe from a a conversation standpoint. I guess the the easiest question is how have you trained yourself to be a better listener? You know, I think one of the most important components to a successful design is communication. And I've trained myself to be a better listener just by not only asking, you know, 
those tough questions, maybe like the budget question. But then when it's time for a response, being okay in that moment and fully giving my client the time to respond and really not trying to fill maybe that that moment of silence with maybe my voice or something to kind of break and make it a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a less hard question to answer. I really like that as we're actually going through a textures, just trying to, to really focus on communication. And the important thing to remember about communication is it's, it's not just about talking and sharing. It's about listening and hearing. And I think that's something that's easily forgotten is, uh, is that aspect of really hearing um, what somebody is sharing, that transfer of information that that is their perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, I really kind of like what you said, which is give people space to express themselves. I, I can speak for like my wife, Joy, and I are polar opposites in how we communicate. My wife is a very intentional uh, uh, processor. And she has to uh, really think, and where I'm a very, very fast processor, and I'm okay with being wrong, and Joy is mainly always right because she gives things a little bit more thought and thinks more about long-term effect where I am prepared to live with whatever those consequences are. I think working probably in an environment like if we were your clients, you would have to tailor your approach to two different to two different entities. So that brings up an interesting question. You're probably working with husband and wives, partners, business colleagues, whatever. How do you hear one uh, what do you usually defer to to understand the vision when it's more than one person? Each of those, you know, each of those different scenarios, I think would be would be somewhat somewhat different. You know, I think. Or do you just pick favorites and decide who you want to make happy? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really just, I think, hearing both sides. It's hearing both sides and then gleaning that information. And really helping the client to figure out which way is best. Mm. And how does that usually work out? Or can you tell, do strategically (laughs) sometimes designers, builders, whomever, like, and again, I know in my business that I, I generally know who's going to be the decision maker. And that's not something, and that's not something that, uh, you know, is said or unsaid. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's just something somewhat innate, for sure. I would agree. (laughs) Okay, well, it's time for rapid fire. Here we go. So we're in the COVID era, and we've all been somewhat locked away for a little bit. So our first rapid fire question is, where is the first place you will go once everything is back to normal? I cannot wait to go to a rooftop bar. Oh, that's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll join you. Okay. Bucket list vacation destination. Oh man, this is a this is a hard one, but I think um I'm somewhat of a somewhat of an ADD person, so I think my bucket list destination changes often. But lately I've been really obsessed with vintage Italian Murano glass. Oh wow. 
And so that makes me want to go to Ireland for today. (laughs) Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I would love to actually talk more about that. So it's funny, Ireland, Scotland, England, I really want to visit there. Uh, And I think I usually am drawn there. Not that this question is for me, but at the end of summer (laughs) where it would be a reprieve from heat and rain. And right now I want to go to a desert environment that's sunny and just absolutely gorgeous and sit by a pool because this weather that we've been having here in Nashville, it's been the coolest spring that I can remember. So uh, celebrity crush. Oh, I think it would have to be Bravo celebrity Andy Cohen. Oh, <laughs> that's he's great. Pick. <laughs> <laughs> he's fantastic. He is absolutely fantastic. Okay, favorite fashion designer. I don't have one, Andrew. You don't have a favorite uh-uh. fashion designer? Okay, we're going to give you a special question. <laughs> favorite artist any era? I think I'd have to, to choose Rothko. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. I think so. Just... I, I think... Uh, Art and what you all do, I think that is just a fantastic, fantastic choice. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) We may have to add that one. We may have to add that one. I think that I would have to go to Da Vinci. Um, I just love what, and again, I he had many, many, many passions, but the the art i just think was was pretty pretty impressive and has stood the test of time relatively timeless yeah, it has. uh i don't think he would maybe fit into modern farmhouse or anything <laughs> like that but uh he he certainly he certainly <laughs> passed the bar so favorite nashville restaurant or type of cuisine oh, my favorite restaurant has been for the longest time has been josephine's oh wonderful on, on 12 south i love josephine, I love josephine. so uh it's actually one of my favorite part, uh, one of my favorite restaurants. And a lot of our, so the chef there, um, it's a lot of Pennsylvania Dutch heritage. So one of the things that I loved about going to Josephine was opposed to having, you know, we're obviously in the South. We've got a lot of wonderful things here and a lot of Southern um, impact and cultural impact on on fine cuisine. It was really fun to go to Josephine and get more of a Pennsylvania Dutch impact on on cuisine. And I just love, uh, absolutely just love his food. Okay, so what's the one tip or piece of advice you try to live by? I have a saying that's on a tattoo on my chest, and um, it's, this too shall pass. And, I, you know, I think even in great times, and in sad times sometimes. Um, it's just such a great thing, especially, you know, during COVID and everything that we've, you know, we've been experiencing. It, it reminds me that, yes, this will pass, but also to appreciate the moment that we're living in because I'll most likely never get to sit on my couch for another eight weeks in a row. <laughs> no, no, no. That's really appropriate advice. Um, and it's, everything is so temporal and, Uh, I think that's one of the beautiful lessons that we can learn as a society is, uh, you know, we're, we're not in control and, uh, you know, like you said, the best of times, the worst of times, enjoy it while we're in it, enjoy it while we're in it. So beauty and everything. There is absolutely beauty in everything. That's the gift we've been given. So Evan, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing a great perspective Ladies and gentlemen, until next week, I am Andrew Denny, and thanks for listening to Couture and Construction.
Thank you for listening to yet another inspiring episode of KOTOR and Construction. Please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you like us, please remember to share with your friends, family, and industry professionals.